I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals. Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership. In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life, and continue to share our successes and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're You're listening listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. bottle it's newish yeah, I, like, I don't remember look at that one you like my sticker on there you know what stock x is the exchange no so stock x is where you can buy legitimate sneakers stock x so one of the things that like, i'm going to educate ben here sorry if you don't like sneakers so there's different kinds of stock when it comes to sneakers so Dead stock, original dead stock, is like an original pair of sneakers, never worn, never sold. Someone's found them. They're comp- like I'm talking like OG, like it was hidden in Jordan the back of a warehouse. Someone's had them pristine, like not like the polyurethane hasn't broken down any of that. <laughs> so you've got dead stock. You've got all these different kinds of stock and just different. So this company, StockX, they will certify shoes. So basically, they're an exchange. So if I'm buying a pair of shoes from you that you've never worn, basically they go to StockX, StockX checks them, certifies them, puts a little tag on them, and then when they show up, you know they're authentic. You're not Hmm. buying pieces of shit shoes. So like for collectors like me, StockX is... It's like the certificate for art. Pretty much, yeah. 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 It's an art certificate, proven legitimacy. Sotheby's for shoes. Sotheby's. (laughs) Was that just fun to say? Sotheby's for shoes. Yeah. Basically it's an auction house. So you can go on there. Like I've got my highest bid that I'll make on certain yeah, shoes and every yeah. now and again those shoes will come available and they show up at my door it just gets deducted from my account <laughs> <laughs> so in case you didn't know Stephen does have a problem with shoes <laughs> how many pairs of shoes do you have? why does it matter? <laughs> I was just out of curiosity don't get all sensitive total shoes or only Nike? both Nikes that I wear or Nikes that I don't wear? both so just how many shoes do you have? <laughs> We're up to the mid-80s in terms of total Nikes. Total pairs of shoes. No, total Nikes. We're probably in the hundreds oh. for total shoes because oh I've got dress shoes and stuff as well. Um, are they all Kohan dress shoes? Because you had to still kind of stick with the Nike vein? Most of them are Kohan. But Kohan and Nike ended their partnership, but Kohan basically has all of the... Te- they still use the Nike technology for soles. I know way too much about shoes. This is like you with yeah, cars. Yeah, I know. You really do, yeah. Um, if I don't know much about the engines of cars. So. But yeah, so I have about 85 pairs of total Nikes and about... 25 now I've never been on my feet that's crazy but can I tell you a story and this is kind of fun (laughs) sure last week there was two full days I woke up I was knew I wanted to go to the gym I did not have the motivation and the power of habit wasn't enough to get me to go so Tuesday and Wednesday I went to the basement and got a new box with a (laughs) pair of shoes I'd never worn before 
and I put them on and just putting a pair of fresh shoes on was the motivation I needed to get my ass out of the house. Out of the house. Oh yeah. Dude, going into the gym with his new kicks on. <laughs> hey ladies, how you doing? I don't know if <laughs> this is like if anybody else has something like this, but for me, putting a fresh pair of kicks on and walking out and it was dry. So there's only there's certain shoes it I'll only dry. wear if it's not going to rain. <laughs> Because one of them was like pure white with nice blues and greens in it. And one was jet black, black on black. And I just love them. Mm. But they're workout shoes. And like I said, I buy shoes and put them in the basement. And I know I'll wear them eventually. And it's just my thing. So there you go. There's there's one of my little motivation tips. Have something to bust out when you don't feel like doing something. Well, when habit no longer works, bust out your Nikes. Okay. Contingency plans, right? Okay. Let's get into it. Well, Welcome we to Ordinary, just Extraordinary, since we haven't even done that yet. I'm Ben Clute. This is Stephen <laughs> Brown, the Scottish guy who likes shoes. Today, we're mixing it up a little bit. We're introducing a new format, and I might even pull an audible on Stephen and change the entire topic just to kind of get his thoughts, but I know he's going to be game for it, so it's going to be okay. you fuck with me since last week. It's going to be fun. When you told me, you're like, yeah, I might just surprise you. I've got a surprise for you. This actually Monday. just came to mind, and I think it'd be better than our current topic. So, All right. Um, Do we need to talk off air? Do you want me to pause? No, we're going to talk on air. Okay. So should we talk? Keep your pants on, Stephen. So when we say new format, we realize, so we listen to feedback and both of us get feedback regularly from people. Um, but long story short, when we listen to people, they say, hey, this was good, this was bad, or, you know, we like this and you don't do that anymore type thing. Yeah. So we decided that we're basically going to have three podcast formats. So one's a straight interview. We'll still do what we've always done. We'll talk to cool people, ask them questions, uh, get their ideas on things argue with them agree with them do all that fun stuff um and i still want i i, I want to give mad props to everybody that's gone and listened to um what the hell did i pull mad props from i'm sorry <laughs> talking ebonics over mad here props. so i want to thank everybody that's listened to the philip tyler podcast mm-hmm. to this point tons of amazing feedback on that online mm-hmm. people in person mm-hmm. um difficult conversation had in a really respectful way um and and we both enjoyed it yeah i thought the same thing (laughs) 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 oh jesus this is the problem we're recording in a goldfish bowl when things like that walk by you're like what in the fuck did i just look at by the way that is not what you think it is (laughs) (laughs) something very different very pale so yeah, so thanks for listening to that one. So the way we're going to go with this is there's going to be three distinct formats. One's going to be the interview. One is going to be um, sort of a traditional topic where we've got a full topic and Ben and I discussed something. So like, for instance, last week we talked about... What did we release today? <laughs> oh, weaknesses. So we talked about yeah. each other's weaknesses, acknowledging them and, yep. and, and maybe even holding each other accountable, which we're going to do a little bit today. And then the third kind of podcast, we're basically going to do a quick accountability we're going to talk about the things that we've asked each other to to hold each other to we're going to maybe do like a quick thought of the week slash rant slash you know what really grinds my gears kind of thing which Stephen will be great at some of it might even be positive like you might see something great and chat about that and tell stories and then a mini topic um that we're going to get into and really break down for a smaller amount of time that might lead to bigger topics but Ben wants to call an audible on me here. We were going to talk about starting a podcast. But we can still do it another time. But I have one I think you're going to like better. But okay. let's jump into 
are three items from last week that each of us had said that we wanted to kind of focus on, grow in, to be better, right? And a lot of these pertain to both leadership and mental health, the idea behind the podcast. I don't know if I remember. I know empathy was one. Empathy was your first one. Okay. Mine was patience. Yeah. Um, I had I literally had them all down and then he <laughs> called. I had them in my head. <laughs> patience, contentment, um, and laziness. Okay. Right? And we, we talked about these you because you agreed on a couple of them. They were actually overlap. So some of ours were similar. Laziness you had agreed with on for yourself in, in terms of your recreation, not necessarily work, but recreation. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can't remember what the, all of them were other than empathy. I'll get mine. But, I'm thinking. So like I said, patience, and that was mostly with regard to uh, children and, gen, not, and, and I could even relate it to not being – where, you know, from a goal standpoint and maybe not being where I want to be and you could let that spiral and get you into a negative spot. But as far as working on patience this week, honestly, so I've just taken small bites for each one. And so for patience, it's literally stopping and breathing for a second. Just before I go and I answer anything or I lash out at my toddler or I do anything like that, it's stopping, taking a deep breath because sometimes I think I forget to breathe. <laughs> But I'm <laughs> upset, and it's just stopping, taking a breath. So that's kind of what my focus on that was. I started, uh, as I talked about last week, I used to do the gratitudes. I started doing gratitudes again in the morning and just stopping, and even at times throughout the day, and saying, hey, this is what I'm thankful for. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's as simple as just like ah, a really good cup of coffee, right? It's like and just trying to revel in a moment and learn an attitude of gratitude, right? Even for small things, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just trying to be more intentional with that. And then uh, my third one was laziness. And so we went out and went for a hike and we're trying to do more walks. So I was just telling Lauren, it's like, we should do more walks, right? It's like, let's just get out. We'll go for a walk with the kids, put them in a stroller if we have to and, and, and walk. So uh, in, I think sharing those goals with my wife helps as well, right? The, the the laziness one getting out so we went for a hike at the bowl and pitcher over the weekend with our kids too so it's like sharing those things and then having her also speak into them so it's not just me being responsible for mm -hmm. them is helpful but those were my three things there's my little accountability and how i've been working on it to try and be better all right did you find yours i'm working on it i made notes and i can't find them but i'm going to get them i'll start with empathy though the uh i thought about this a lot so you know I'm a, I'm a thinker. I tend to really get into things probably a little too analytically and that I need, I thrive on logic. And I have to understand that logic isn't always present, at least not my version of it. Other people have logic. I would say this. I think empathy requires grace but it requires grace two ways so i was it's funny you were talking about relationship status i was replaying some things um from past relationships i do that from time to time when i get time in the car or just when i get nothing else to do and i was replaying some things and i realized that as well as admitting your weaknesses and your flaws sometimes you have to be principled enough to say hey look in order for me to be empathetic to that I need grace or I needed grace in order to understand where that person was and I didn't get it. So 
empathy is a two-way street. So the more I thought about that, the more I thought, I have massive empathy for things that I can relate to and things that I can understand. And where, and this kind of goes back to this, the conversation we had with Phil, um, where I think empathy is lacking often is where people don't give you the grace to say, hey, look, I want to give you perspective if you're open to that. Mm-hmm. I want to give you perspective as to why I feel this way. And that leads to empathy, right? That was, uh, that was just the thought I had over the weekend that the more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, I don't lack empathy. I just lack empathy in certain situations. And honestly, I cannot find the notes, and they're always in here, but I can't remember the other two things. Maybe you deleted them. I said were, uh, we can go back were weaknesses. Yeah, I'll listen it's to it. It's only been a week. Good thing we, we really thinking, worked on those this week. But I've been, hey, I gave a lot of thought to empathy. It's one thing at a time, right? I will be empathetic to the fact that you did not remember the other two. <laughs> All right. So, oh, jeez. I want your weekly thought. I want your little rant. Your what kind of gears or what's happy? What's something good that you saw in the world that you want to share? Something good in the world. Tell me something good. <laughs> you just we just stole that. That's a total rip off. We're gonna get sued now. Susan just this letter is in the mail. No, that song wasn't his. I think that's Oh really? Her. Yeah. Um I mean Good thing is I have a five-week-old that sleeps at night, so that's good. Not all the way through the night, but seriously, like better get knocking three. on wood <laughs> in like a rhythm too. So that's good. I mean, as everybody knows, if you're sleep deprived, you go absolutely insane. Um, I don't know if this is as much as a thought. I guess it is a thought. Is I posted a thing on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it, Stephen. It was about the Seattle protesters, and I don't even want to call them BLM protesters because I think they're kind of bastardizing the movement, but protesters that were demanding, going up to neighborhoods and demanding that white people give their houses to them, right, and turning it over. And I realized that this was a small group, but it the fact that it is getting any type of media, if it is a small group, right, is almost crazy to me because the media put it as black you know, Black Lives Matter protesters blanket statement, right? Mm-hmm. So bad, bad media. But I was just saying, like, I'm just praying for sanity <laughs> and grace <laughs> and love, right? And I said this on a lot of podcasts lately. It's like we need more grace and we need more love, I think, in the world. And people aren't giving that to people right now. Um, so yeah. my thought would be, and like it's interesting you talked about with empathy right is like extend more grace to people uh nobody's perfect we're all gonna screw up somebody hurts your feelings i would hope that you would go tell them how that made you feel and talk through it and vice versa right i mean if if you'd said something maybe that you shouldn't have said or done something you shouldn't have done go and fix it there's the country song that i listened to and they I was like, how, how do you instill this in your kids? And I've posted it on our social media before. It's called, it's Be a Light, right? Do you know the song that I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And it says, when someone does your, when, when you do somebody wrong, make it right, you know? It's like, oh, there's a lot of lines that I'm like, God, yes. It's like, we need more of this song. Can we just play this song blasted out on a mega horn throughout the city right now for people? Um, but that's my thought. Extend grace. Yeah. 
let people know that you appreciate them. Can I talk about that quickly, what you just said? I read this morning and I watched a video of this. There was a guy and his wife in a white truck and they weren't doing anything wrong. They weren't trying to run anybody over. They were literally letting protesters pass them by. This guy got dragged out of his truck and beat unconscious. His wife got punched and kicked and dragged out the truck as well. And it was all riots in Seattle, right? Yeah. And my problem with that is that I told Adrian this, and I hope it's not the case, but the problem with this, and I I keep, I'm trying to find a way to say this, it's PC and there really isn't, but when Phil was sitting across from us right here, he told us that BLM is a leaderless organization, it's decentralized, right? So BLM in Seattle, BLM in Portland, BLM in Chicago, New York, LA, they're all different to an extent. And they all have a different set of, hey, here's the demands we want, here's this, that. But there's no centralized, hey, here's goal one, goal two, here's the priorities that we're going to work in. Well, and I guess right? he went against that, and he said there actually is. But Well, he said there was. He said it's been lost. Now it's been lost in mm-hmm. translation. And he was very critical of the riots. He wasn't mm-hmm. critical of protesters, peaceful yeah. protesters, neither am I. Which is very different. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, this guy got dragged out of his truck and, and absolutely, he got beat unconscious. I'll show you the video if you want offline. Okay. It's pretty disturbing, but I think people need to see it because what's happened is he, this was a guy who was respectfully letting them pass by, doing nothing. But I told one of our friends off air weeks ago, he said, well, where do you think this all ends? What do you think it culminates in? And I said, well, I think what's going to happen is a horrific heinous event or crime that is going to result in people being dead mm-hmm. and they lose all support and all credibility across all platforms and then it just peters out and I hope that's not the case because I think deep down there's a there's a solid aim and objective yep. but I think we're going to get to the point that there's just this heinous heinous single event that nobody can come back from nobody can justify well you have people that are identifying as being part of the movement mm-hmm. that are actually part of the movement that are using it as a way i think yeah to push their own agenda or something bad but well, yeah it's yeah it's a it, again let's just try more grace enough grace enough mm-hmm. i got my piece up yeah so i, I am keeping mace in all of my cars now <laughs> wow because <laughs> i am a big white guy that drives a crew cab pickup so that's something that I would... I mean, I don't think you have to worry about it in Spokane. Things have gen- generally died down here for the most part. Yeah. Um, but Seattle, Portland, I mean, they're going on 80-some-odd days of straight... If I drive to Seattle, pro- that's uh, scary, yeah. I, I could, why would I go there? No. I can do video conferences okay. with anybody over there. So anyway... But, are you done um, then? No, you're still talking. I wanted to jump on that. You just said something about... Um, oh, I forget. Oh, we got to do your thought. Yeah. You just took my thought and talked about it. You talked over me and had a really... Oh, I hate when you do that. It's going to come to me. Um, anyway. Says Stephen, the guy who never talks my over. My thought, something to think about. What people think of you. I think it's I like very it. easy in today's day and age to say I-D-A-G-F. What people think of me. What? Uh, I D. I D G A F. I don't give up what people think about. Me. Exactly. <laughs> I don't give up. So that's kind of the popular thing to think, right? And I think there's two sides to this. I think it's important 
to be conscious of what the people that matter and the people you care about think of you. Correct. Right? And again, that comes back to empathy and love and grace and all yep. the rest of it. But I also think it's important to cast aside the people that don't matter because I have been watching and hearing. There's actually a fitness girl that I follow. Um, she's great. She's local. And I won't use her name, but she posted a meme at the weekend about how it's funny how a lot of people made fun of me and tease me and now in adulthood they find me attractive hmm. and we had a conversation about it offline and do I know this person? Uh, no okay. you don't and we had a conversation about it offline and essentially I told her hey what people think of you and what people thought of you isn't important because you've got two kids you're supporting those kids you're working hard you've got a great outlook on life and you're doing everything you're supposed to do and if other people don't see that that's not that's not your problem that's more of an indication of them but i use that example to say that there's there's absolutely two sides of this and there's a political side i keep harking back to to phil's interview with us mm -hmm. but that same week multiple times I had the, the judgment, right? And I, th I think this is proof that I'm doing something right. So this is where I'm kind of going to this, that if I worried about what people thought of me, way to roll your eyes at me, but <laughs> I have a good thought here, okay? In the same week, two or three times, I had some people say, Stephen's extreme left, or Stephen's left, Stephen's a Democrat, or Stephen's right, Stephen's a, a Republican. And I'm like, yeah, I'm glad that people don't know. I'm glad that people think both. I'm glad that people are confused and don't know what my politics are because, quite frankly, I don't affiliate to, to answer Phil's question with either. I think both are yeah. corrupt to the core and both have really real issues with with um, being in touch. So They're probably a two-party system. So where I'm going with this is that do what you need to do and be what you need to be and if people want to judge you in a way that they're not going to give you the chance, those people don't deserve to be in your life. The fact that Phil corrected his wife and said, hey, no, you haven't had a conversation. You don't know what Ben believes. You don't know what Stephen believes. You don't know where they lean politically. You, and again, not to be too harsh on Phil's wife, but she thought because I drive a nice German car and I'm white that I was probably a Republican. And I don't know that I could be further, the further thing, furthest thing from being a Republican. There are certainly Republican um, supported policies that I'm like, yeah, I can get behind that. But there's also nuance, right? Oh, totally. So what people think of you isn't important if they're not willing to look at the nuances and be empathetic and graceful in how they approach that. Okay. There's my thought, Ben. Take it to the bank. MJ, what? Ben's writing stuff. This is our topic for today. You want to talk about Michael Jordan in The Last Dance? I knew you'd be okay with it. Wait, have you been watching this? Shut up and sit down. I'm going to. I'm glad I'm sitting down. I want to talk about competition. All right, so can, uh, I, so, can, can I preface this before we talk about it? <laughs> Hold on. Well, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I knew you'd be okay with me pulling an auto. And it just came to me. I so. know more about applying makeup than Ben knows about sport. Ben thinks a field goal is called a field kick. Oh, God. And One lect time. lectured his friends 
that he was trying to impress <laughs> about dick. how well this is a field kick and they get three points for this. No, and I didn't. <laughs> I did not do that. <laughs> You're such an ass. Um, but yes, I did call a field goal, a field kick at one point, and I was a little confused and went on to try and correct Jake about how it's called a field kick because they kick the ball out in the field. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I hate you so much. So I love that we're going to talk about sport, especially something that's so near and dear to my heart. I know. That's why I was like, Stephen's going to be okay with this. You can thank me later, asshole. It's a mini topic, so we can't talk about it for long. How far in are we right now? Minute wise. Don't worry about it. Just go. I'll tell you when we need to stop. No, I'll just stop when I want to stop. Um, I am not all the way through the last dance. I am so far behind everybody else that watched this like four months ago. I, I realized that. And is it that long? Yeah. Seriously. I didn't just watch it. I literally watched it on my bed with a pair of Jordans on and a basketball in my hand. I felt like I was 14 again. I was going to say, you're like a little kid getting all dressed up to watch his favorite <laughs> show. It's like when my son wears his Superman outfit so he can watch Superman. Yeah. yeah. But in your eyes, he's Superman. A couple of things that I thought were interesting about the show. Where and are you in the show? I'm only on episode seven. Okay. So, so you've seen a I'm lot. I'm over halfway through. Yeah. Uh, I get the premise of it, right? I still need more. Jake says there's like four minutes at the end of episode seven that he just thinks are the best. It'll bring you to tears. Yeah, it'll bring you to tears. That's what he said. to tears. Yeah. So I'm interested to see it. And I'm not allowed to spoil it, so I can't talk about that four minutes. No, you can't. Thank you. But For the heads up. But yes, so I still have, you know, a few more episodes to go. But I, I wanted to talk about competition and competitiveness and team competitiveness individual competitiveness a little bit and whether that's positive or negative and so because what's interesting is I think MJ was so competitive uh, and so driven which is a positive thing to be the best and he knew he was the best like you can see in that thing he not says to he be the, the best, best to win the best usually win but don't interrupt again. But <laughs> he was driven do. to be... That's a bad boy's doing. <laughs> he was driven to be the best and win, right? And to some degree at all costs. I mean, he didn't care whether people liked him or not. Uh, and I guess everybody's different is what the answer is going to be. But he, is there a point at which you're overly competitive? Because he seemed like he might have been one of those people who was overly competitive, right? And I guess it could be depends on what you're looking for, right? Because he wanted to be the best, and he didn't care if he lost his wife and his kids, and had no friends or people didn't respect him because he was a total dick. If he was the best at his craft, I think and I guess cared, the question is, is that worth his it? family? I think you went a step too far there. He definitely cared about his wife and his kids. Um, he didn't care about the friends. He didn't care about teammates in terms of you're either with me or against me, and. I won't go into the four minutes that you're going to... Literally, you'll, you'll have a lump in your throat at. But for all intents and purposes, his mantra was, look, I'm going on this ride. Get on the fucking bus or get off the bus. But just know if you get on the bus, there is a standard. There is policies that are non-negotiable. And I'm going to push you harder than you've ever been pushed but the rewards are going to be greater than you've ever had. 
in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So you're asking the wrong person if you think there's such a thing as being too competitive. Because I'll compete with you over the color of shit. Like I will get it down to the it's actual, brown. the actual shade of brown, oh and God. I'll have, and I'm I'm obviously not going to do that, but I'm making a point. So, and I'll give you, I'll give you. It's funny. Um, we're about a year on, and I remember going on a date with Jenna. It was probably a little more, a little less than a year ago. So it was probably sometime in September, after my birthday, I believe it was, and we went axe throwing. Mm-hmm. She's super athletic. Yeah. She was pretty good at throwing axes. I was better. And I took every opportunity to remind her that I was better and that I was winning. <laughs> so, I... I could see you doing that, too. I took the bait. She wanted to compete. I competed. I After a while, she wasn't enjoying the competition <laughs> because I was winning. Okay? And it was two super competitive people... Um, and I'm pretty sure at some point we talked about this down the line and she actually said she didn't think I was that much better than her. But I was. I, every throw was hitting the bullseye to the point that the last 10 minutes, my ambition was to take the bullseye off of the little crate thing that was there. Like, I was hitting it every time. Like, unbelievably good at this. Like, I don't know if I have, like, Viking ancestry or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. The savage in me. But <laughs> this, an axe. this axe thrown... Phoom, have you done it? No. Yeah, I could not miss. And there's there's a two-handed way, and I was doing it one. I mean, I was throwing it so hard, and they're like, if you throw it too hard, it's going to bounce back. But everyone was right in the spot, same spot. You just I got hitting, the muscle memory down. I was hitting the same hole. Okay, keep going. Right? We get it. We get. It. <laughs> but <laughs> Jesus, how many ways can you say you were good at it? <laughs> is the the atmosphere changed quick? She wasn't having fun anymore. When she's not winning. And it probably took me a little longer to realize that she wasn't having fun and basically that I was an asshole and I had to dial it back, right? (laughs) So my point being, asking me, is there there such a thing as being too competitive? The answer would be yes. You just answered it right there. No, I don't think there is. What I do is I don't compete. So... (laughs) (laughs) I love that face you just made. I was like... If... I oh god I hope Jenna if you're listening to this I'm sorry I never did this with you but I won't try I'll actively try and lose at certain things mm. just or be middle of the pack not not at that um, but there's and got not golf like when I'm shit at golf I'm just shit um, <laughs> but other things like when I play soccer the people that know know you mean when you shag balls <laughs> the people that know know and the people that don't don't but when I play soccer, I'm playing at half speed because it, when when that competitiveness comes out in me, I used to, basketball and soccer, I would cross that white line onto the court. And again, you're going to think this is a negative thing, but I would have gouged your eyes out. I would have stood on you. I would have done whatever I had to do, even if it meant not necessarily breaking the rules, but if I could get away with it, I would get away with it to win. Similar to Michael. And I think that's why guys like me and Jake and other people that have that athletic background don't see anything wrong with his drive to win because we see it mirrored in ourselves in certain aspects. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way I describe it is I think for the most part people would think of me as a fairly mild-mannered person, right? For the most part, yeah. I used to cross a white line onto a soccer field or a basketball court and turn into a, 
I mean, a, a snarling lunatic, a maniac. I was going to win. I broke a guy's leg, not intentionally, and walked away. Like, what do you want me to do? It was an accident. I'm not sorry. We both kicked the ball at the same time. His shin snapped. And I mean, like, the whole tib-fib gone. That'd be fun. And uh, painful. Yeah. I didn't feel bad about it. To this day, I don't feel bad about it. It was, it was a... Well, that's one of the hazards of playing, too. Yeah. Though. I mean, that's not... Not like you intentionally, I don't think, and broke his leg. So that was a long-winded way of saying I don't think there is such a thing as being that too was competitive. Yeah. But well, that was our topic. I'm also Thanks, probably guys. I'm also probably not the person to ask about it. Well, I so I think competition leads to incredible things and incredible changes, mm-hmm. and I think people are respected for their abilities. Right, I think everybody respects MJ for his ability to play ball. Like probably the best, if not one of the best. You might disagree with Kobe. I think he's number one. Kobe's two. Okay, so one of the best ball players ever. I just wonder, and I don't know the answer. Is is there? Well, I guess we talk about it in this regard too. We have we have people in both of our fields that work a lot and make more money than us. And they've had to make sacrifices to be able to make more money, right? And maybe this isn't competition. Maybe it's an internal competition. But it's like, was the sacrifice worth what they got at the end of it, right? Because I think you know I'm competitive. Uh, I think you've even said it before that I'm a weird anomaly because somehow I'm competitive without ever having played sport. Mm -hmm. Or you or Jake, I can't remember honestly which one has said that. I said that. But it's like, and it's hard for you guys to wrap your head around how I'm so competitive, but so I don't thoughts it's different Um, sales is a natural tendency for a lot of former athletes and I'm talking you go in one of the best sales slash management programs in the country is enterprise right they hire people straight from school. Mm-hmm. You give them Get their manager program. Hey, you're going to do like a year here as an assistant branch manager or as a lackey. And eventually, we're going to get you to the point that you're running your own branch. Most most people will give enterprise five to six years and then pretty much any corporation in the country will hire them, right? Mm-hmm. There's a disproportionate mm-hmm. amount of those people that are former NCAA athletes. Enterprise actually ran commercials about this a few March Madnesses ago. To where they were like, hey, there's 98% of college athletes end up doing something other than their sport as a profession. Yeah. Which is an alarming rate, right? That's not that surprising. Because there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of college athletes. So, But very few of them become professional. But sales is a natural progression for a mm-hmm. lot of them. Uh, not all end up in sales, but the, the best, the ones that don't make it professionally, that are very, very, very good they tend to be in sales. and But here's the difference, and this is honest, and not from an addiction standpoint, there is one thing on this earth that can get those competitive juices flowing in me that today, do you know what it is? That can get competitive juices flowing? The way I did when I competed, the uh, way I did when I played sport. Probably if I told you you couldn't do it. No, gambling. <laughs> Put a little money on it, you're ready to go? You, no, I'm talking going to a casino and knowing that I'm competing against nobody else at the table. I'm competing against the house. Poker isn't even like that because you're competing against a lot of people and it's it's very luck-driven. But you put me at a blackjack table because I can, I can count the cards. I've taught myself through multiple 
different courses to count the cards. So you take, basically it's a, like a 5 or 6% swing, so you take a 48% chance that you're going to win. So it's 52% in the favour of the house, so the house is always going to win. And by playing perfect strategy and counting the cards and having the true count and the constant count, you have basically a 54 to 55% chance of winning. So you're still going to lose a lot. Yeah. But by doing that and competing against the house like that, that gives me the same level of euphoria and the same level of, oh, like, yeah, I'm doing well, this. That, that is the risk in that too, right? Yeah, that's yeah. it. It's the risk. So and but, I think the it, fear that unknown is one that a lot of people like too, right? It's because, and you also like the feeling of winning. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you lost every time, you wouldn't, you, after a while, you'd stop competing. Yeah. It's the winning that I think keeps people going. Well, of course, it's the winning that keeps people going. Yeah. Nobody likes getting hit by a baseball a bunch of times and keep playing. This sucks. But the one constant that's true in all of this, if you want to talk competition, whether it be professionally or in sport, the one constant, and this is so cliche, but it's beautiful, you generally learn more when you lose than you do when you win. Yeah, totally. When you make a misstep, mm-hmm. when you make the wrong pass on a, on a basketball well, play, when when you step out of bounds when you shouldn't, when you make a, a, a an emotional decision to do something nasty, like I've hurt people, not seriously, like not career threatening, but put people on their ass because I'm frustrated, and you give away a foul on a bad spot, and they score a goal, they score a basket, you get put out the game or whatever it is, and that never ever goes away the losing the bad decisions will teach you much more than the good decisions and knowing everything right off the bat I mean you think about how obvious of a statement that is though it's like because if you win you think you did everything right it's like ah I did it all right of course I won it's like but if you lose you're like you go through and you analyze the things that you did wrong and the areas that you could improve I mean it's inherent human this is where the non-athlete in you is kind of ignorant to this and I don't mean ignorant in a bad way I just mean that you haven't experienced it I replay to this day can replay entire games in my head every decision and I'm talking games I won and games I lost and I'm more critical of the things I did in the good games knowing that I could have done more and done better than I was in the the bad the bad ones you learn from and I'll give you an example of this last week the uh, Harikawa is a he was leading after two days, three days, sorry, going into the last day of the uh, first, the PGA Championship, mm-hmm. the first major of the year. And he got off the course at noon. He was out early on the Saturday, off the course at noon, back to his Airbnb, napped for an hour, went and practiced for four hours after playing an entire round. In the end, it didn't help him. He didn't win the tournament. But he went and worked on the things that he, he, he had a great round. Like, I think it was a low round for the day, had a two-stroke two lead. So he competed, though. Yeah, and he competed. But he went, even though he had a perfect round for that day, and perfect in golf is subjective, he went and he practiced and practiced and practiced. Um, Kobe Bryant, another example, went to Madison Square Garden, dropped 60 points. Now, they didn't stay. As soon as the game was done, he's coast on an airplane back to L.A., what's that, six, seven hour flight on a private jet that's going direct, got off the airplane, didn't go home to his kids and wife, went to the practice gym, he missed a free throw coming down to the end of the game, and they still won the game, but he went and he had to get a thousand free throws up before he was prepared to go home. It's like, I'm not going home until I have a thousand free throws. You 
can win and still be hypercritical. Yeah. And that, to me, is the sign of a true competitor, not the competitor that learns. Everybody learns when they lose. Everybody learns when they're when they're when they're doing well, shitty easier, things, right? Yeah. Or everybody knows I'm fat because of this. It's the ones that are already at the pinnacle, the ones that are really freaking performing at a high level and know it, and they're still able to go, I can be better. They're not resting on their laurels. What do you think about that? Would definitely an MJ type thing. I mean, if there was anybody dropped the ball or missed the ball, it sounds like when you're watching that last dance, that he was on them. Like even when they show the behind the scenes, but from the late 80s, early 90s, it's like, dude, this guy yeah. would get in their faces. Like his own teammates, right? Like you think that's your family. But uh, again, it's like you think about though what they've done as a team, what they did and what mm-hmm. it became. And I mean, he'll even tell you he couldn't have been as good of a performer as he was without his teammates, right? Primarily without Scotty Pippen, yeah. Without but, Pippen and yeah. uh, well, crazy hair. Well, Rodman was only there for the second three. Horace, yeah, but Horace he even talks about position how, in the first how yeah, much, but, yeah, yeah, how big and, of an influence Rodman was yeah. to his success, even right. But yeah, Pippen mm-hmm. a, a big deal to him. So it's like what was interesting is he competed, but he also knew like the people that he needed mm-hmm. to be successful, right, and and to prop up his his lackings if you will yeah has Rodman buggered off to Vegas yet have you seen that part where he just goes to Vegas with Carmen Electra for like yeah. a week that's yeah so that was in one of the earlier episodes yeah we talk about giving grace right that's a guy I was gonna say, he, that's MJ a guy did, who yeah. had a lifestyle that was completely different from the rest of the players yeah and Michael basically went to the coach and the coach accepted it and said hey look we need him back by this time he's not <laughs> going to be back at that time but he needs this. Yeah. We need him further down the road, so you have to let him do what he needs to do. Yeah, it now. goes back to that mental health thing, yeah. right? Like, and that's just wrapping it together kind of with uh, competition is leading in competition, right? It's like MJ did a, one hell of a job of leading the competition. I think all of his teammates respect him. They might have thought he was an asshole someday, but I think they all respected him for his work ethic and his desire to compete and be the best at it. And Steven's giving me crap for being on my cell phone as he's looking at pictures on his. You got that same message. You'll enjoy it. Okay. But, I mean, he was a leader within competition, but he also realized, I think, mental health, even in his own, I'm not, I'm just guessing on this, Mm -hmm. some of his own mental health stuff that he struggled with, because it seems almost evident to some degree that he struggled with some mental health stuff. Oh, yeah. And obviously Rodman, he gave him grace and love and went and got him from Vegas. I mean, he went and picked him up in Vegas and said it's time to go to practice, right? So... Well, then Rodman apologized competition. to him. Yeah, yeah, because he knew that he dropped the ball. So this is this is actually really... I, I think I've talked about this before, but one, one of the things I always learned from my mom and dad, more so my mom, I think, because my dad was... This isn't a negative thing. My dad was a secondary parent. My dad was working hard. You know, my mom... Not that my mom wasn't, but my mom was a stay-at-home mom until I was 14, 15 right but dad was dad was gone a lot for work and doing different things with with uh with that so mum was primary parent dad was secondary parent right dad was the yeah don't make me get your dad don't don't <laughs> let your dad take his belt <laughs> off type thing, right um but on that my uh where i'm going with that is treating everybody fairly isn't treating everybody the same and i learned mm-hmm. that from my mum. Mm-hmm. so 
she came up with this ingenious way of doing things where if there was, you know, let's say there's a slice of cake, right? Mum, can I have that? Yeah. And then one of the brothers, oh, I want that. Well, one of you cut it, one of you pick it, right? So one of you gets to cut cut it in half and the other one gets to pick the half. Uh-oh. So you don't get to. You <laughs> and, and then I think I've shared this. One of the times, the, the old man knew this rule and he told us we were going to do it. And I said to my dad, I was like, he got the big half. And he goes, well, he didn't get half. And I was like, no, he got the big half. He did, he got the big half. And he was like, he didn't get half. <laughs> and I couldn't wrap my head. No, obviously, I know what he was saying. Yeah, Then he didn't um, get half. But treating everybody the same isn't treating everybody fairly. And I think uh, Phil Jackson, the coach, yeah, he knew that. Totally. He knew, hey, I'm going to get the most out of Dennis if I give him this little bit of leeway to, hey, go get it out of your system. Well, that's the interesting part is everybody competes differently, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think Dennis is known as an incredible ball player too. Yeah. So. In, in a different way. He wasn't going to put up within 30 his own or 40 regard. points a game. He, yeah. was going, he was going to do the work that, I mean, again, just insight into the game of basketball. When you've got that guy that will go to the ground, dive at people's feet, take blows to the head to pull down a rebound, and mm-hmm. then pass it off to somebody else to, to score. score. Yeah, that's selfless. He's a scrapper. He is selfless in a whole different kind of way. He just had to be selfish for his own mental health in certain times and certain ways, right? So, yeah, there's there's a whole different um, dimension there when you get to the level that MJ and those but guys were playing. What's interesting at. about team competition is the fact that you have someone like that who is selfless, who's competing in their uh, position, right? He's competing within his own position. He's kicking ass in it. That allowed Michael to go and compete, and Scotty to go and mm-hmm. compete in their positions and kick ass at it. Right? When everybody was running hard, competing, and trying to be the best in their own position, mm-hmm. the others were allowed to do the same. Yeah. Right? So when it's team competition, it's interesting because everybody has to run. Right? That whole idea of you, the you're only as strong as the weakest link in the chain. I mean, so in, in a team it? mentality, like. I'm going to say something and I wish I could take the credit for it, but it's a soccer coach from back in the day, back in the 60s. His name's Bill Shankly. Shankly? Shank. Shanky. S-H-A-N-K-L-Y or L-E-Y. So Bill Shankly is famous, famous, famous. And there was three of them. There was Bill Shankly, there was uh, Matt Busby, and there was a guy called Jockstein. The three of them basically grew up in little mining villages, ended up managing coaching at the elite in the UK, all over Europe, right? But Bill Shankly, and I agree with him 100%, the only place that socialism works is in sport. And he used to say football, talking about soccer, football is a form of socialism without the politics. In that, And this is exactly what we're talking about. You've got different people that do different jobs. And you've got people that may only play five minutes here and a minute there. But if they come in and they give 100%, they're not any less important than Michael Jordan is. Michael Jordan's going to give you 38 minutes out of 42 every night. <laughs> but these role players are important. And while you might not all get treated the same, Jordan got paid more, Jordan got the accolades, Jordan, yeah. you know... Had Cameras to, in front of him. Yeah. But they were all treated fairly based on their input, right? So it's a form of socialism. Hmm. That's... I'm not sure I see socialism in that. I mean, if it was socialism, I would think Michael would have a weight tied around his no, foot. No, the socialism is the... To make them all equal. The team wins a title. Michael Jordan didn't win the title. Oh, Scotty okay. Pippen didn't win the I title. I see. Together they won it. Together they were 
Yeah. They were successful. They were contributed towards the team. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, got it. No. So I thought you might like this topic today. It's a little different. But what I want to say, and I don't have a whole lot more to say about it because it's for many topics. We'll keep it many. Is I, I think competition, and I do this, so this is why I bring it up, right, is competition can be positive and it can be negative mm-hmm. depending on how you use it, right? In, in the regard of MJ in The Last Dance, he was trying to use competition in a way to become the best at uh, basketball. Great. They were respected within their field, right? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you can let competition either inspire you and to his want to be the best at it, right? Or you can let it cripple you, right? Because there's also people like myself who will sometimes look at it, and I've gotten, I was not competitive in high school, I will say this. That changed, and I can almost tell you exactly when it changed. You've told us a story before. I have? Yeah. But you can tell it again. I wasn't going to tell a story, so you might be able to tell me, but I can tell you when that changed. And so we'll be interested if it's the same as what you think it was. Um, I remember you telling me. I don't remember the point. Oh, you're making you me lose my train of thought. Damn it! You remember when you got competitive in high school? Yeah, but it was before that. But sorry, bro. that was an off-topic sorry, thing. Sorry, bra. Ah, uh, did you say bra? Bra, dude. Is this what's with your talking today? You bra, and what was the other thing you said earlier? Like, mad props. Mad props. What is wrong? <laughs> bra. Mad props, bra. <laughs> what the hell? Um. But so crippling. So because I let it cripple me sometimes when when you focus. I mean, for some people it works. I can look at you and say, my job is to beat Steven. I'm going to sell more payroll and more credit card processing than Steven does, right? Mm-hmm. And then, because some people like that. They use that person as a benchmark and they just keep trying to become the best, right? And I guess for some that works. But what I would say is know how you best compete because not every way of competing is going to necessarily be the best for you. Yeah. So for me competing, it's not always great for me to look at others, right? Because this is my going back to the three things I need to work on. Comparison is if you compare yourself to somebody else and they have different inputs, different abilities than you, it's not going to be the same result. So I think you need to compete, but you need to compete within your own abilities and knowing down your heart, really, at the end of the day, did I do better than I did yesterday or not? Right, mm-hmm. and am I improving? Am I competing daily and striving to become my best? Yeah. So I've I've shared before that when I was running soccer club, that there was a lot of negativity, a lot of toxicity, and this is this was my concept that no other club, no other body within youth soccer was willing to wrap their arms around and say, yeah, I believe in that. So you talked about competition being healthy and being negative, right? Mm-hmm. And my thing was, hey, look, Saturdays and Sundays, we compete against each other. Your team versus my team, my club versus your club, tournaments, league play, all of that. That's a healthy thing. Yeah. We want to give our kids the, the, the chance to compete against one another. But Monday through Friday, why aren't we collaborating? Why aren't we looking at what my club's best practices are and what your club's best practices are and going, oh, God, you guys do it like that? We never thought to do it like that. Ego. But if you're truly in this, and this was the buzzword, development, right, player development, Mm -hmm. if you're in this for the betterment of player development overall, because the way the soccer structure's set up is, is, think of a pyramid. Essentially, you've got the U.S. national team, men's and women's, right? 
Below that, you've got the uh, professional leagues. Below that, you've got college. Below that, you've got the Premier Leagues, and then you've got the, the and we're getting to rec and all that stuff now, right? So it's like so. If you've got this pyramid, and we're all pointing towards that top point, if I help you up to the next level, and then you reach down and help me up to the next level, my team gets better because they're competing against your team yeah, who are at that higher level. Team. Yeah. But how did you get that team there? What drills? What skills? What What are you focused on? How are you structuring things? What is your club doing that my club can adopt in order to create a healthy local infrastructure mm-hmm. and an environment mm-hmm. that we don't need to go to Seattle? We don't need to go to Portland. Yeah, I don't have to take teams to, to Las Vegas, high right? Level. So that was. So where I'm going with that is where the uh, toxicity of competition comes in is when you fail to collaborate, mm. right? And that happens in the workplace Mm -hmm. to where Mm -hmm. you've got a team of 10 salespeople and you say, hey, whoever sells the most gets this prize. And you've got two people that fight out that top prize and the rest are like, how the hell are they doing this? Why won't they tell me how they're getting these sales? Why, Right? Whereas if you foster this environment of collaboration and competition, like, hey, I'm going to beat you, but I'm going to tell you what I'm doing that's successful, see if you can replicate it. Because if you win and I win and we all win... Then the company gets stronger and stronger, and down the line, everybody wins. The everybody prize. wins, right? So, for me, the toxicity, the toxic point, is where competition fails to collaborate. So you do have a competition, like in the beginning, you said that it was always good. So, mm-hmm. no, I'm saying that asking me if there's such a thing as competing too, too much, much competition. No, because so you're not saying competing too much, but you could be saying that. Competing too much. I'm saying how you compete is important. Yeah, okay. right. That's what I get. So I like it. I would. I, I'm so, and, and I'll, I'll close with this because this is a really. I used to say I would cross that white line and t- turn into a snarling maniac that would step <laughs> on you, gouge you, whatever. But I'll shake <sighs> your hand after it and invite you for a beer, and I'll buy you a beer at the bar afterwards. Yeah. I was never. It was never. That's good sports. Never went beyond the game. Mm-hmm. The game was the game, and I would still afterwards. If you were like, "Hey, Stephen, how did?" How did you do that move where you flick it this way? Uh, I'll show you. Yeah. Hey, it, and I would break everything down to three steps. Step one, step two, step three. Slow it down, break it down. Once you can do step one, move on to step two. So I, I'm always willing to compete and collaborate, but without the collaboration, the competition turns toxic. I like it. That was good. Did you like my little audible? Pulled it on you? I, I knew you'd be okay talking about that. I, you throw MJ in front of me and I'm going to talk about it till the cows come home. I know. You talked about 80% of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, no words. Uh, not a whole lot coming from men on this one. But yeah. it'll just be like, you're like, hey, Stephen, MJ, go. Have you got anything you want to say to people before we sign off? Nope. What? <laughs> like us, rate us, <laughs> review us. Yeah. Do all that Please stuff. share it. Especially the one from last week. I still think it was, I mean, two weeks ago, I guess now, when yeah. this comes out, the Philip Tyler one. I think that has a lot of great stuff. And I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on that. He's got an incredible perspective. Pre, you know, former president of the NAACP, military, police officer, uh, just a good dude. I'm, it's like, if you don't listen to any of our podcasts, yeah. we should have said this at the beginning. But if you don't listen to any of them, go listen to that one. And I mean, and compete to give to give perspective because that's that's one of my words of the year right focus and perspective we're talking about a guy who literally sat here and shared his experience of the day his son killed himself now it's sad and it's heavy and it's deep 
but you want to hear about a man who took a negative mm. thing and is working towards something mm-hmm. positive with it. Um, ben walked away from here, went and made a donation to it. Um, I, I saw that, that on the Facebook. Like I see everything. I'm always watching, brah. <laughs> brah. <laughs> hey, Matt, props for that donation, brah. <laughs> but no, seriously, give that one a listen. We appreciate you guys. And until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom. <laughs>